Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, and now let's go to our first guest, Ava Max. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. Look, so about five people, when I, I was telling everyone that you were coming on tonight, and everyone was like, tell her I said hi, tell her I said hi. And I was like, okay, she doesn't know you guys, but I will give the official hello. So, so hello. many people in my life say hello. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> so let's start off by just talking about mental health. That's one of the purposes of the show is to try to destigmatize hearing about, sharing about, and talking about mental health. So let me ask, how is your mental health doing right now? Um, It's hard. You know, I, I go up and down. Like, my days are like that. Like, realistically, I have one good day and then another day of just, like, feeling anxious and stressed out and overwhelmed, you know? Yeah, it's you got to just kind of go with the journey right now. That's what I'm telling everyone. You know what I mean? Just like put on your seatbelt and ride it out. Honestly, you have to put on the seatbelt because <laughs> I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And, and and how is that impacting music? Like what, what would you say are the impacts of the COVID on your mental health and on music? Are you are you writing and producing differently? Uh, how's it showing up? Again, it depends on the day. Like some days I'm super inspired and some days I just... I, I can only lay on my bedroom floor like, what am I doing with my life right now? <laughs> so I, I try so hard to connect with my fans because I know, you know, I have this platform and I feel so grateful to have this platform and it, it makes me excited to connect with them and hopefully, you know, check up on them and see how they're doing around the world. I love that. I love that. And that's why I'm thankful for social media. I think if we had gone through COVID prior to having all this technology, we wouldn't be able to be thriving as much as we are. Are you using social media for your own mental health? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm on social media the moment I wake up as horrible as that sounds. And, and when I go to sleep and honestly, it's kind of met like, I don't know. It helps me calm my mind just scrolling. Isn't that weird? Um, but then some days I can't be on social media at all. Again, it's a roller coaster. It's a freaking roller coaster. Well, you're you're. I, I was reading one of your interviews. You're you're very polarized. I like the 50-50. You were. It was kind of like you were pulling together the masculine, the feminine, also your haircut, and you were like, I'm a little bit of both. I'm a little bit of a blend of a lot of things. I am, and you know, it's funny. Even online, uh, there's there's people who are just show so much love. Um, for my music, and then there are the haters, and you know, sometimes they get to you, but then sometimes I'm like, 
you know what, they can just go away because they probably are dealing with stuff in their life and they just want to hate. So it's like the haters online are just like the worst things to read and what they say because they're just like so evil. So it's like you just got to kind of like brush that to the side. What advice would you give to people that aren't coping so well with social media and the commentary? Because it breaks my heart. I, you know, working with patients in my practice right now via telemedicine, like not, not everyone has that like confidence or strength to kind of deal with that, but people will just say anything on social media these days. Oh yeah. It's, it's horrible. I mean, again, it gets to me some days, but what can you do? You know, like you can't really do much. So when you know, you can't do much because you don't one, you don't know these people Two they are just bored right now in their rooms and they're just hating online. So just don't look at the comments, focus on yourself, know that no matter what you do, you're going to get hate. So that makes it easier. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about this buzzword. And I saw it in one of your songs. So there's a lot of people talking about gaslighting, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that side tells me you've had your own experiences with it. Yep. I feel like every woman has, for sure. Yeah, and you you were kind of equating it to having gotten cheated on, which seemed to be part of the song Torn. So am I to believe that that was all born out of a horrible experience you had with someone relationally? Oh my goodness, yeah. So I feel like a lot of girls have been through this. Not, I don't know if every girl's been through this, but I have been in a situation in the past where, you know, the guy's cheated and then he makes you feel bad about it. Like he literally goes like, well, you know, if you had been here and not been so busy, and then he starts like being all lovey-dovey, and I just like, I pretty much just like smacked him and said, I'm never talking to you again, because I felt like I was being gaslighted. But again, people stay in relationships like this, right? Because they love the person and they think, they, they get brainwashed and gaslighted. So I'm like, no, walk away from those situations. Know when you're being gaslighted, because it's a thing in relationships. Like, just be honest. You know, what happened to being honest? <laughs> so has that impacted you dating after? Because it's horrible, right? Like in a real good relationship, you're you're happy when your partner's successful. So for him to have used that against you, not okay. No, it's not okay. And it happens a lot, you know? So I just want everyone, girls and guys, to be aware when you're being gaslighted. Walk away. It is not worth your time, you know? Go. Bye. There are many fish in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with uh, these online apps these days. So... Let's talk a little bit about finding your um, inner superhero, because that's also something you seem to talk about in your music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, so basically, I believe in being your own hero. And I think, just like in Torn, and now in Who's Laughing Now, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think the more consistent and pers persistent you are in life and your goals and relationships, um, there is there is a hero at the end and you will have that cape and you will be happy. <laughs> you can do anything you want. So positive. Where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. It's so true. <laughs> but where do you think that comes from? Is that the way you were raised or is that something you had to work on for yourself? I've always had to work on it. You know, like I definitely haven't been mistreated by guys and um, it's exciting now. It's kind of like hashtag, yeah, who's laughing now, guys? Thank you very much. Hey, wait a minute. Is that what that title's about? It's a lot of things, mainly, yeah, relationships. It's like people who tried to stop my career, people who tried to um, stop me from working as hard, uh, try to veer me in a different direction, try to tell me that I'm never going to make it. Um, this song is for you guys. 
So, yeah, who's laughing now? (laughs) I love that. It's like the ultimate revenge. You're like, it's not just that I'm going to do well and be happy and successful. I'm also going to release like amazing songs rooted in that. So thank you for that. Go ahead. And you can watch my booty walk away afterwards, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely how it's done. So before we let you go, I want to ask you also, what advice would you give to people trying to date right now? Because they're, they're listening to you, your role modeling, your music. They want to be a superhero. They want authenticity. They don't want to be gaslit. So how do people find that kind of perfect person in 2020? You know, it's a good time to focus on yourself, right? Um, I hate to be the person who's like, oh, you don't need a date. Like if you feel like dating, date safely, six feet away. Hello, get Corona tests, do all the shebang. But in general, I do believe this is a great time to focus on yourself. And uh, I've seen it with my girlfriends. They're just loving it, like just focusing on themselves and getting better at what they want to do. This is a great time to do learn something. This is a great time to just, you know, let the universe give you what the universe wants to give you, what you're meant to have. You know. I love that. Using, using your album as the backdrop to all of it. <laughs> um, so I, I, do in, I do believe in positivity. I see that. I see that. I feel that. That's amazing, though. We need that. Look, there's so many things to feel bad about. And so it's really great when we can find someone that's just kind of embodying the positive angle. We can, like, riff off of that. So thank you for that. Ava Max, the new album, Who's Laughing Now? We were rocking out to Kings and Queens all day today. So thank you for giving me the positive mood. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. Hopefully I'll meet you soon. We'll be right back with Dirty Lola to talk more about dating etiquette in quarantine. All right, now we're going to go to our next guest, Dirty Lola, sex educator and just all-around brilliant, awesome human being. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glowing. I was so excited to see that you are going to be on the show tonight. I'm excited. This is great. Um, so I have a thousand things to ask you about. Uh, but before we get specific about sex and dating and COVID, just an overall COVID question. What is going on? Because I'm looking at your social media. It's much like mine where you're trying to give everyone like, you know, you're lovingly trying to tell them to follow rules and stay in place. But like I'm watching photos from others and it's as though there's no pandemic right now. I was talking to people this week about feeling like gaslit by yeah. the rest of the world because I'm in my house. I haven't left my house What's happening? What are people doing? Yeah. Well, your your social media was one of the things I used for a little reality testing. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something in that, like something hadn't changed overnight that I wasn't brought into. So let's talk about that. How do you enter this conversation? If someone says to you, listen, I want to I want to get into sex or dating or romance. I know there's a pandemic. How do you start that conversation with them advice wise? Yeah, basically, I tell people to think about like who you already have in your life that you trust. And when it comes to trust, it's like, who do you trust to be honest with you about what they're doing, who they're seeing, where they're going, like how much they're going out and all of those things. And you also have to go into this knowing where are you on the spectrum? So for me, I need somebody to be mostly staying home, going out for essentials, maybe having a very small social pool of seeing people distance hanging because that's all I'm doing is distance hanging with people and not that many um can you, do you have to be on the, you know, public transportation to get to me, to see me? Is that a thing you're cool with? Or is that a thing I'm cool with? Like, these are all questions you have to ask, but also be, you know, is this somebody who's going to tell you that this is like the truth about this stuff? Because we all know that, you know, people who, uh, can I curse? Do I get to curse? 
you're, you're, hurt, that, you're hurting my soul, but you're right. Like trust is yeah. a huge thing right now in all of this. And it, it sounds is. like it sounds like what you're saying is we have to have adult conversations. <laughs> we do adult conversations and real conversations, and they're not going to be hot. Like it's not going to be hot to talk about how many who you've seen this week. If you're, you know, oh, I'm a essential worker, or I'm not an essential worker. I'm working from home. Who who I'm not seeing, or if I saw friends, like you really kind of have to run down that list of things, and then on top of that, it's seeing each other like. I don't live alone. I have a roommate. So I have to clear things with my roommate first. Are they cool if somebody comes over? What is our protocol around that? Um, what's going to be our protocol after that? Because people don't think about that either. It's like, you're going to have fun. What's your protocol post all of this? I guess what, what came up for me around that was it sounds like, you know, you have to learn with partners how to have difficult conversations. And if you can't have that conversation about COVID exposure, I'm worried you can't have other important sexual health conversations. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like people who were generally good about having these conversations before about sexual health, it'll be a little easier for them. But this is also a point where you're learning if somebody's not going to tell you the truth about who they've seen this week and where they've been and what's going on in their job and their life, they're not going to be honest with you about SCs either. So this is a great litmus test for other parts of relationships. And so do you agree that now's a good time for people that are maybe looking to find some love to go online? Cause I'm, I, that's what I've been saying to people. Look, people are lonely. Not everyone's isolating with others. Go online, start to build a relationship. It's not going to be, you know, the way you're familiar with, but like that can be found right now. Yes, definitely. I started chatting with someone in April and oh, we wow. just, everything was online and we got to know each other. We finally got to see each other, but we waited for phase two. Like we were kind of like, okay, maybe phase two in New York will, <laughs> that will, I'll, my legs will open up with phase two. That there was the go. joke. Yeah. yeah, because it was, but it, we, it gave us more time to get to know each other. And I kind of saw his life and he saw mine. And so we, we had all of that going before we connected. And now I have a COVID buddy to like be intimate with. Okay. So break that, break that down for me, because I, I think that's the interesting piece. I know we touched about, we touched on a little bit in the beginning. So if someone were to say, okay, that sounds good. I want that as well. What, uh, is it just about asking the right questions? Or are there other things you want to consider in finding that buddy? Cause trust you brought up before. And I think that is profound. Yeah. It's, it's how often you're going to want to see them. How often can you see each other? Um, the distance for me, I've been, I'm, we're in completely different parts of town, but I've been house sitting for folks near where he lives. So it's worked out. It's just been kismet that I've been there and that's when we've been seeing each other. And so those were things we had to think about because neither one of us are willing right now to travel that far just to hang out for an hour. Cause you know, it's a lot happening in the world and cabs are expensive. So those are things you have to really think of, keep it local, make that that distance smaller, you can change it on OkCupid and other apps. You can make your distance that you're looking smaller. Um, all of those things come into play because it's, it's for me, it's not as easy to go, oh yeah, sure. I'll grab my stuff and I'll like head out and go over there and see you. And then I can go gallivant and do something else with my day. It's like when I leave the house, it's an event. And it <laughs> means I'm doing more than one thing. Because... <laughs> We don't do it often these days. We sure don't. I mean, I'm like you. I'm following the rules to a T. I want my risk negative, not even a zero. I want it negative amounts of risk. So what do you say to people that are getting shamed by others? Because that's coming into my life as well. People are saying, look, I met someone online. I'm not feeling comfortable ready yet to meet them or I'm not 
comfortable uh, with something more physical happening and they're getting shamed by the other. Oh, I just, I stand firm in your boundaries. If you are not ready to meet up, if you're not ready to see someone yet, if you're like still feeling things out or you just feel really unsafe with everything that's going on in the world, stand firm in those boundaries. If you're somebody who's ready and everyone around you is shaming you for going out and seeing people, I think there's, there is a spectrum to safety. And I think you can take steps to be safe um, to see someone and then still keep people around you safe. And I think that's way different than going outside without a mask to a, a rave under a bridge. <laughs> it's two different things. Yeah, you're like, I'm not referencing anything specifically. <laughs> that right. was real specific. Um, <laughs> and then let's also touch upon this. So for someone who's saying, okay, listen, I'm not meeting anyone real time. I'm not necessarily wanting to go on the apps, but I want to have sexuality. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, I've never really explored sex with myself. Let's go old school, full on sex educator. What would you recommend to someone who wants to do some self exploration? Nudes, the nude. <laughs> nudes have come back. I've literally bought this ring light to take better nudes. I mean, it's great for stuff like this, but I, <laughs> it's so I have better lighting when I take nudes, like sexting, phone sex nudes going into chat rooms like let's get real old school there are apps that are like the aol chat rooms now so you can go in and just talk to people about life and sex and and things like that i mean we also have the technology now where there are sex toys that other people can control um from afar and there are certain toys that strangers can control from afar where they have chat rooms where you can literally send your code to a stranger so a stranger can operate the sex toy. So there are ways to stay home and, and still be slutty and about all the sexy things without going and meeting people out in public. As always, a fun time hanging out with you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you. You can catch more of Ava Max and Dirty Lola on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on radio.com. All right, now let's go to our next guest, Ravi Patel, host and creator of Ravi Patel's Pursuit of Happiness. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I always start by asking people about their mental health. How is yours doing right now? Oh, I, I, get your, I, bet, you, I bet you're getting the best answers ever right now. Uh, <laughs> volatile? Uh, you know, inconsistent? <laughs> yep, those are the buzzwords. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I got to say, on the one hand, uh, the forced... Uh, dormancy has been really awesome. Uh, being home, spending this much time with the family, um, the hostility happening in the world and the heartbreak and suffering, that's been a little stressful. Um, and I'd say right now, one, one thing that this whole moment in time has really done for me is uh, created a bit of a relapse in terms of all my worst mental tendencies. And so uh, I also feel like, you know, Mentally, I have work to do in terms of improving my focus and productivity uh, and general awareness. Yeah. Well, no, thank you for the vulnerability. I think that's what's coming up for a lot of people, right? We we don't have access to a lot of the forms of maybe self-care or the buffers or the distractions. And we're kind of yeah. just like left with self. So I yeah. wanted to talk about the pursuit of happiness. I it was, it was either something that came out of that or it was an interview. But I was laughing because somewhere along the lines, it was said that you essentially went from being an investment banker to a quote unquote bad son because apparently in your family, uh, acting in the biz just wasn't really well uh, well received. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know that it's any parent's dream to take on something that, that that's that likely of leading to suffering. Um, no, it's not that my parent my parents weren't like that stereotypical, uh, you know, unsupportive immigrant family. They were just scared for me. And I think conversely, they were just absolutely shocked that I had this great job, which, by the way, I didn't deserve. I kind of like lied and cheated my way into that job in the first place. Attaboy. Um <laughs> but I didn't belong there. I mean, I was terrible at it. I was not motivated. And, you know, that I really credit that experience to the next phase of my life, which is realizing that I really only operate well when I'm, you know, somehow fulfilled or connected to what I'm doing. Yes. Yes. That 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 is literally the work I do. I think if I had to put everything I do as a therapist into a nutshell, it'd be that help people find lives yeah. that just have meaning and value in them. Yeah. But we're, look, we're that's that's privilege that we even are in that position. You know, most people are just trying to put food on the table. And, you know, I, I know that I'm in the top one percentile just that I get to get some fulfillment out of what I do. And, you know, I, I try to I try to remember uh, that I'm lucky. Yeah. And so let's I guess we'll come back to the four part series. Let's talk about this saves lives. You kind of segued us in. I think that's really beautiful. I'm always advocating for people with any privilege or platform or power to do something meaningful with it. So tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Thanks, man. Uh, this Saves Lives is a snack company that I co-founded with uh, some of my actor friends, Todd Grinnell, Ryan Devlin, Kristen Bell. And really, it, it started out of a shared mission to help alleviate Severe acute malnutrition, which claims the lives of 20 million kids under the age of six every year. A child dies every 10 seconds. But there's some real cutting edge um, uh, malnutrition aid that has been developed. And we were introduced to it through a, a 60 Minutes piece that we saw Anderson Cooper did do. And uh, we wanted to figure out a way to provide more of these meal packets that are prescribed to kids who are days away from potential death. And they take just this packet twice a day for eight to 10 weeks. And more often than not, it brings them back. But they're super expensive. So we had this idea of what if we come out with a healthy snack, a healthy granola bar to hopefully alleviate the unhealthy snacking epidemic here in the States. Um, and every time someone buys one of those, we donate uh, a meal packet to a child in need somewhere around the world. And uh, we started that thing out of my apartment in Venice Beach, L.A., uh, probably like, you know, eight years ago. And uh, now we're in every Starbucks in the country. We've donated hundreds of thousands of meal packets, tens of thousands of kids' lives. I've that's, been saved. That's it's huge. Been, well done. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd had the bar before. I never was aware that you were involved. I wasn't actually even aware of the full backstory. You know, I'm one of those people where if I, if I see a product and I know that money is somehow donated or something's connected to it, I'm always mm -hmm. one of the first people to purchase it, even if I don't need it, because I, I love that value. But I didn't know that was you behind it. Well done. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, look, it's not just me. We, we've we been very fortunate, so many people along the way who are just like-minded, and honestly, people like yourself, people who are just attracted to the cause, and it's opened so many doors, and we've just had so many so many mentors and friends who have just made connections along the way. It's it's truly been a, an, an incredible group effort, and you know, not to sound cheesy, but it, it's given me way more than I've given it. And let's, let's connect that back to your four-part series, Ravi Patel's Pursuit of Happiness. Um, I know that in your show, you hit a bunch of topics, ones that I work with a lot as well, work-life balance, aging, gender roles, parenting. Is In your, in your um, pursuit of exploring happiness and dissecting it, did you land at all with the idea, not just that meaning's important, but also what you just said about the bars? Are those connected? 
You mean, did, did, did I land on the idea that, uh, the pursuit of happiness itself is something that's worthwhile? Is that what you're Ooh, asking? Well, that's a good one. Let's answer that first. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I, look, man, I don't really know the answer to that question. I can tell you, you know, I was listening to, uh, God, I must sound like such a hippie, but I was listening to Michelle Obama's podcast, the one that just came out and her and Barack were talking about how they wish the one thing they wish they could teach people is how good, how how selfishly beneficial it is to give. And that's something that I owe, you know, to my parents, they've taught me that at a big age, at a young age, the importance of community. And so I know how good it feels to improve the lives of the people around you on a selfish level. It makes me happier. Um, and so I, I've just noticed that like when I'm, when I'm helping put smiles on the faces of like, my wife or my daughter or my best friends, we're having fun together. Like that is the thing that gives me the greatest joy in life. So really this isn't like, this isn't a show about a guy who's got like some near midlife existential crisis. It's really just, I think something that so many of us are concerned with right now, which is we have so many choices with how we spend every minute of our day and every life decision more than any generation before, just because of, technology and how connected we are. And it made me yearn for that regularly moving forward. I mean, that's the thing that I'm going to try to carry on with me and also just prioritizing spending time with my family instead of making work fit my life. You know, instead of making life fit my work, I'm trying to, I think this has been an illustration of like, I can kind of make uh, work fit my life 100%. until I run out of money. <laughs> and then you got to flip that balance. But I think that is, and I think, I'll be like, that was so stupid. Whose idea was this? <laughs> I mean, that's my working definition of mental health, right? Is, is prioritizing the things that are going to kind of nourish us. And although work can sometimes do that, you know, it's not always the case. And like you just said, also community care. I want that to come out of this as well. Um, Robbie Patel, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And also thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, hey, thanks for everything you're doing, man. And thanks, thanks for helping me get the word out. I really appreciate it. Always have a great night. All right, take care. We'll be right back with Bina Venkataraman to talk about optimism and also preparation for the future. Got Chili from, of course, the iconic TLC, as well as Jocelyn DeFries from Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Now, we've had quite a week when we're talking about social justice intersecting with mental health. The Supreme Court has passed a powerful ruling that supports the LGBTQIA workplace anti-discrimination. We'll be talking with Jocelyn DeFries about that later in the show. But we also have to talk about here in California, as well as elsewhere, the COVID infections continue to rise. California has had their single day record yesterday, hitting over 4,000 new infections, with half of them being here in L.A. County. Now, the positive is that certain sectors and airlines are starting to take that seriously. Major airlines are now enforcing and demanding that all passengers wear masks. They're also discontinuing alcohol service so as to decrease interaction and also time that people aren't wearing masks. We also see a lot of things still happening inspired by the Black Lives Movement movement, and that is things like the band Lady Antebellum dropping words like antebellum, which are historically related to slavery. We also see brands like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben changing their branding. This is powerful. Why? Because in mental health, we have a syndrome called minority stress. 
stress. And that's related to any identity, whether it's race, gender, or sexual orientation, daily going under chronic ongoing discrimination or bias. Now, mental health is about inclusion, acceptance, but even more powerfully, actual celebration. And so when someone is marginalized or exploited in an ongoing basis, of course, that stress is going to lead to heavy rates of trauma. And that's why we are working powerfully on doing all we can to reduce that. Now, let's go to the iconic Chili from TLC. How are you? Welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I like to ask all my guests to start off. How right now through everything is your mental health? I would say it's pretty good. It's a good word. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) And what kinds of uh, self-care are you engaging in to really help support your mental health? Um, Well, first of all, you know, I, I, I eat very clean. I think, you know, God put all kinds of nutrients here on earth for us. We just got to get to it and do it, you know? Um, So I eat very healthy. I think that plays a big part. Different foods support your brain and your mood, all kinds of things like that. So that's what I do. And I work out. Yeah, I saw on your... I saw on your IG that you mentioned oregano oil. And I know when someone mentions that, that they are diehard nutrition. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love my... You know what's funny? I, I... The... Pure oil itself, obviously, you know this. If you don't, it's it's like a it's like a like you you have to really know how to do it. So if you put it under your tongue and wait three seconds too long, it's gonna burn and you're gonna like have a horrible <laughs> experience. But you know they have the the pills too. So I, I take both and I take cod liver oil. All right, all but right. Take it, yeah. Yeah, uh- I'm on it. I'm tough. I do three drops in a glass of water and pound that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. You're brave because it, I mean, it it burns, but it works. It really works. And then if I feel myself catching a cold or something like that, I'll stick with the the liquid and I'll do it like maybe three times a day, like a couple of days. And that usually does a trick for me. So knowing you were coming on, I was just doing my own little exploration of your music. I've been a big fan of you guys since the beginning. And what was really fascinating is when, of course, and when I looked at your legacy through the lens of like mental health and social justice, I noticed that you guys have been in the game since, you know, Ain't Too Proud to Beg was about like safer sex and talk about sex. We had waterfalls addressing HIV. We had no scrubs talking about female empowerment. We have unpretty talking about body positivity. Was that planned or did you guys just naturally come to that? That's just us, you know, um, everything that, that we did and still continue to do, um, it's just naturally who we are as women, you know? And, um, we, it's, it's funny because when we are like, when our first album was out, actually ain't too proud to beg. And (laughs) when the album came out, um, parents, like moms were sending in letters talking about, you know, cause we looked like we were 14 years old. We were 20 and 21. And they thought we were children talking about these subject matters. And it was hilarious. And we were like, and it's funny because when you think about a 20-year-old, they're really not that grown. But, <laughs> you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was so crazy in the beginning, you know, um, parents calling us feminists. That's what they did. And at first, we were like, feminists? We're not feminists. But when you think about it, I'm like, yeah, we are but not in a crazy radical kind of way, you know? Um, And we feel like 
Um, the things that we talk about are most are from a woman's point of view, but a lot of our songs, every, you know, guys can relate to also, you know, uh, especially the No Scrubs one that I. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you made you made you gave us a place to talk about these things because I think watching the Ain't Too Proud to Beg video was the first time I'd ever seen a condom in public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Lisa had them, you know, over her her eye and everything, and so what we decided to do was um, make it like like you know a, a, a good thing, like safe sex. We're promoting safe sex. We're not saying go have sex, but if you choose to do so, make sure it's, you know, safe sex. And we would always say, you know, um, priority is the key, you know? So. Beautiful. And how about Unpretty? Because, again, that was probably one of the first body positive videos to hit the scene. That was ahead of its time. Yeah, we told a few stories in Unpretty because, you know, people experience so many different things, whether it's, you know, uh, the way you feel about yourself inside or, you know, outside. I mean, we, we all have some some level of insecurity, something we like, oh, if I could change this or that. But ultimately, it is about embracing everything, you know, and being okay with how you look and what your shape is like. Because for to me, what I promote all the time is um, just good health. You know, if you take care of your body, as you get older, you will find that it will take care of you. You know, you won't be in the in the doctor's office so much, you know, or getting a, a thousand prescriptions for things that um, you can avoid if you just take care of the temple, like God said. So. Now, let's go to the iconic Chili from TLC. You know, you were talking also about how the industry is very grueling and the high levels of stress from touring and everything you had encounter led to uh, acid reflux. So have you been trying to reduce stress with exercise and diet? Is that, and also faith, is those your three go-to? Well, definitely my faith. You know, I, I am, um, I'm at Seventh-day Adventist. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, actually, and fell off. <laughs> You know, you have to make, you know, make your own way. And uh, and I came back, you know, because that speaks to me. And um, so definitely my faith and um, having a, a very a strong mom and a strong system, you know, around me, my personal crew. I mean, it's not it's very small, but I can call either of them and we pray together. We talk about things and I feel safe. They feel safe with me. And I think that that is very important if someone can have a circle like that, you know, and because I always say the best family are handpicked families, you know, <laughs> that's just those are the best family members, in my opinion. And that's been wonderful for me. Um, I wanted to ask you about something you said that I thought was stunning because it's something that patients in my practice struggle with that are females, which is you talked about the pressure to be married. And you also were quoted in an in a interview I, said, I saw as having said, you're not necessarily even a fan of marriage. <laughs> I know you're like, how can a Christian woman say that? But, um, okay. I think that marriage is a very beautiful thing, you know, uh, when it's right. Most people that are married have no business being married, you know. And uh, so for me, I'm definitely open to it. It's just I'm not I'm just not 
sitting around hoping and waiting for it to happen. It's, I don't know, I'm just not like that. Um, I mean, it's the same way with the relationship. You know, I, I'm just not, I'm not a serial monogamous. You know, I'm, if I'm in a relationship and I get out of that relationship, I'm by myself for a while because I feel like it's very important to give yourself time to even understand why you were in that relationship, whether, you know, you, it was a good or bad breakup. Like what was going on with you that attracted you to this person? Like all the, all that kind of stuff is important for me to figure out. And I think it helps you to, to grow, you know, when it comes to just your character, you know, because sometimes we are in a low place and we feel like, you know, a relationship will help. And that's not it. You have to get yourself at 150% first. And that person needs to be at 150%, you know, and then when you get together, then you can just deal with um, the, the little differences that you'll have between each other, because no two people are alike, you know, you're always going to have some differences there. And you have to be honest with yourself to say, hey, I can compromise in these areas, but this right here, I can't. Like people will get in these relationships and two, three years down the line or they're married with children. And then all of a sudden the same things that were there from the beginning, now they're unhappy with because they weren't, they weren't happy about it the first in the beginning, you know? So they get excited and they hope, you know, they stay in it in hopes of change and things like that. And that's not smart. That's not uh, what a healthy relationship is built upon. Yeah, hundred percent. We when we enter a relationship, we bring all of our stuff in, right? And you don't want to be bringing Every all these heavy piece suitcases. Of there is. That's right. <laughs> Leave some of that behind. Do that work before you get into a relationship. I love that. I wish more people thought like that. Like, am I healthy enough to be brought into someone's life? What kind of impact am I going to have on their life? Yes, for sure, absolutely. I, I mean, I wish that they would too. And people want these healthy, nurturing relationships, but they're they're not healthy, you know. Right. And the other person is not healthy either. So. You know, even one healthy person and an unhealthy person is not going to be a great relationship. It's just not. You just got to work on yourself first. That's right. You're going to bring each other down. Now, before we let you go, I wanted to talk quickly also about music. It, it, you know, a lot of the people that come on the show, they talk about how they use music to help with their mood and it's a spiritual experience. Do you find that music for you is also something that helps with your mood and your mental health? Um, sometimes it just depends on the mood that I'm in, you know, if, uh, when I'm in the kitchen, that's when I listen to the, to music the most, not even in my car. Like when I'm in the car, I like silence. I just like to listen to the sounds of just driving, you know, but when I'm in the kitchen, I will listen to all types of music. But if I'm really cooking, I can't listen to the music because I'll start dancing and it'll take too long. <laughs> It'll take too long to finish the meal, you know? I'm just like, oh, shoot. Got to have a dance break. I'm dance and singing. I'm like putting routines together. It's too much. So I, I, you know, I I can't listen to music when I'm making a really big dinner. Okay. And uh, I know that iconic TLC aired on CW. How was that to see these other big bands performing your songs? Such an honor, you know, to be honored in that way, to hear how you know, they feel about us and what my group has done for them, what song, you know, touched them in a way or our style with, you know, just outside of the box. We did everything outside of the box and that's just who we are as a, as a group, you know, and, um, and 
when you get on the scene, you just have to be yourself. And some people will like you or a lot of people will like you or, um, and some will not. And that's just, that's just how it goes, you know? And um, so when that happened and listening to them put their own little twist on our songs, because we've never heard a good remix of any of our songs and we've never understood why. We're like, wait a minute, why no good remixes? What's going on? And that was the first time we ever heard our songs basically remixed wow. in a way that was amazing. It wow. sounds so good. I'm telling you, it touched me. It brought tears to my eyes. Oh, wow. I'm trying to fight it back. I was like, <laughs> wow. like oh man, I'm going to break. But, um, you know, it's just... It, I, I was just so thankful that they did that. So we're, we're very blessed to um, be able to, and to, to still be alive, to hear people, you know, tell, they can tell you themselves how they feel about you and what your music has done and continues to do for them. So it's kind of like, you know what, Lord, all right, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Well, your music is that music where no matter where you are, no matter who it is, if it comes on, everyone starts bopping to it. So you've done something right. Uh, <laughs> Chili, thank you so much for being a part of the show, and I will see you in aisle two at Whole Foods. Aisle two at Whole Foods or aisle four at Sprouts? That's right. I'll see you there. Have a beautiful night. (laughs) And now we're going to go to actress and trans activist Jocelyn DeFries, who is currently season two Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm really good. I'm really good. And such a powerful moment right now. I mean, a Supreme Court victory on Monday that helps protect the LGBTQIA community in terms of work discrimination. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. It's um, it's opening up so much space for, you know, it's setting a precedent for the way that things need to happen, especially with what, you know, the Trump administration had just said on Friday saying that, you know, uh, trans health care could be taken away. So, you know, it was like this low, and then it's like, okay, so this battle that had been being fought with Amy Stevens or, you know, Rachel Tudor, that being shut down sets a precedent that, okay, our Supreme Court justices are on the side, on the right side of history, I would say. So, like, for as a trans person, I was like, I felt, you know, I, I definitely got very scared as of Friday because of, you know, the fact that my health care could be taken away. It, it boggles my mind to think that my health care could be taken away, at, which at one point, you know, 15 years ago, it was a pre-existing condition. There was no uh, transition-related health care that was covered. And, you know, and especially around mental health, because as a trans person going through the, a transition in our society today, you know, having those costs covered and ha- whether it be a medical transition or if it is, you know, mental health care, it's like we need those assets or resources rather. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, honestly, I, I started crying on Monday when I heard this because of, you know, the battle that's been going on and hearing like the insanity of, you know, a professor being fired because she was trans, you know, and these things are, I, I just, they can't be happening in our country anymore. And I think that when this comes through or when this came through, it really showed, okay, so our country is behind us more than it has seemed, especially over the, you know, the past three years. So, but it, 
Sorry. No, <laughs> Sorry. please go ahead. Please go ahead. No, what I and then, you know, at the same time, it's also with everything else that's going on in the world, it even shows how much more we have to be fighting right now um, for especially black trans women um, who are being murdered at an alarming rate. Um, so it's like, you know, the this is a huge step forward. And it's also um, we it, it's just a reminder that when we activate that, you know, we can make change. Yeah, and it's so heartbreaking because the the battle's not over, right? Like we're talking about workplace safety, we're talking about healthcare, but talk about for our listeners who aren't familiar with the trans experience, what it's like day to day to live in a country where you have our president and the current administration actively trying to roll back rights and and just the right to life. Yeah, you know, as you know, it's overwhelming and you know, prior to chatting with you today, I was thinking about, you know, what it was like prior to the Obama administration, you know, before the first time I'd heard a president utter the words transgender or being inclusive, you know, and I was taken back to the days where, um, you know, uh, when people would talk about the LGBT community, even on the far left would always leave out trans. And then it's almost like I got spoiled through, you know, the kind of the, trans tipping point and the attention that the trans community got and all the positive changes that happened. And then the, at the prospect of that all being taken away, I mean, it's, it really, uh, it becomes really abusive for trans people. It becomes very, um, I've seen in my community and the conversations that I have that people just feel defeated. The amount of people that have felt like it's hard to fight. And these are women, these are trans people who are um, continually fighting and continually, you know, in the public eye or continually um, doing activist work. And they're still overwhelmed and, you know, waking up days where they're like, I can't get out of bed. This is awful. I can't stand hearing this stuff anymore. So what tips do you give to trans individuals that are struggling right now with their mental health? I mean, just in general, but also watching everything that's happening in the administration and the news. Um, I would say that a great resource for people is, um, it gets better. I mean, online today, it's fantastic. If you just Google like resources for trans people, the, the amount of, um, different resources that will pop up are actually, it's incredible to me that, you know, at one point it was like, it gets better was probably the only resource. And today there's so many, um, I would say that, uh, the n number one thing to re remember is that, you know, uh, this moment will change this, uh, whatever negativity that seems like it's on ongoing. It's like, if you like hang in there, it will get better. Um, I have seen that in my own life. I've seen that in almost every trans person I know yet. That is not to say that people are not dying, that, um, there is not horrific things happening. But I do truly believe that, and I have seen for many people that if they continue pushing and growing that, um, and whatever that means, if it means uh, therapy, if it means connecting with other trans people, which I honestly think right now um, is a huge, huge piece, connecting with other trans people um, can uh elevate mood it can it, i know for myself that like the sisterhood i have with my trans girlfriends 
it's like a place where I feel accepted and understood that I don't anywhere else. Um, yeah, I'm starting to see now more than ever how important community building is uh, for mental health and, and everything. And also, I, I noticed today that we just finally got the country's first uh, trans-exclusive uh, suicide hotline. And I'm sad that it has to exist, but I'm glad that we have it and it's there. I, had to, I'm, I was unaware of that. Just saw what, that, I think, this afternoon. Yeah, so it's okay. brand new. Yeah, but um, wow. and and congratulations on season two of Strange Angel. I mean, not only a great show, not only a, you know, All Access has the most amazing uh, projects on there, but also so inclusive. I, I love seeing that. Like, there's so much happening this year and ahead of us. Yes, absolutely. It's wonderful to have a, a representation, and you know, as we're talking about where we are today, like playing. Uh, you know, it's a period project, so. Uh, Playing a trans person in history, it's like we have been here throughout history, and to to be able to be representation of that is fabulous. Um, you know, and I think right now more than ever is the important time to say trans people have always been here. Whether you know it's a character from like the 1930s that escaped um, Nazi Germany, uh, which there were many. Um, you know, it's also Marsha P. Johnson, which is, you know, knowing our history as far as the Black Lives Matter movement is happening right now and being behind that and knowing our history and knowing that I am not separate from that movement, that I need to be a voice amongst that movement in honor of my history. So Beautiful. Jocelyn DeFries, thank you for everything you're doing. And everyone, check out season two of Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Always a pleasure to see you, your dear friend. And I miss keeping up with you. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Good have, to see you. Have a great night. Be well. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. And there it is. So many resources available. So much change happening. 2020 is a big year for so many things, but we got to keep the momentum moving. So I always challenge everyone, pick one level of activism, make it your focus and community, build community, connect to community. For those that need more resources, we're going to put up some important numbers after the show. We'll be back on Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and all of our shows. You can check out the old ones on all the radio.com handles. As always, thanks for hanging out and you all have a beautiful, beautiful night. All right, now we're going to go to our next guest, Bina Venkatarman, the author of The Optimist Telescope. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Absolutely. So your, your book had a lot of big topics. And what was interesting is they hit a lot of things that I personally have a lot of concern around. And so, you know, re-encountering some of these topics, especially in the time of COVID, for me personally, was an interesting journey. Um, but I want to give you a congrats. Best book of 2019 by NPR. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. It always feels good when you put your work out there and it gets some, some, some good feedback. So what led you to want to write a book like this? Well, part of it was just curiosity about this basic question. You know, I think it's so hard for me in my own life to get ahead of what's coming down the pike, so to speak. So I had the tick bite that I ignored until it became a horrible infection and Lyme disease infection once. Uh, but extrapolating that, I was working on climate change uh, policy in the White House several years ago and found that business leaders and communities had a lot of trouble thinking ahead. And so I sort of just wondered, is this actually something that's impossible in human nature, that we're just cursed to being short-sighted and driven by immediate gratification? Or is there actually a way we can learn to think ahead and to think about the future and value our own future and do right by our future selves? 
And as I started probing that question over the course of five or more years, visiting people all over the world, talking to poker players, talking to fishermen in rural Mexico, talking to psychologists and archaeologists and economists, what I came to find was that, in fact, our ability to think ahead is not ingrained in our nature, that we're able to, through the environments we choose, the norms we choose, the tricks and, and tools that we use, we're able to actually think about the future much more than we might expect. Well, you know, the example you used in the beginning of your book with the tick bite, I, 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 I related to that so well. And I think a lot of us do in, in America, right, where it's all about working hard and keeping your eye on the prize. And I think a lot of us struggle sometimes to prioritize self-care. And I know I have a laundry list of my version of things I need to go to the doctor or see an expert about. But we tend to kind of push that aside for some of these uh, more primary needs. So how do we get people to think so far ahead, so far maybe even beyond what their generation will encounter about things like climate change? It's really difficult because our imaginations are required to think about the future. If you think about it, everything that's in your present reality, you can smell it, you can touch it, you can taste it, uh, you can see it. And so you're taking it in with your senses and to actually be able to think about the future means that you're taking an imaginative leap. You are doing something that maybe no other species does. We're not quite sure, which is to conjure the future in your mind. And so it's actually difficult to do that. And I think part of what we have to do is twofold. One is to tune down the noise of the present. So you have a to-do list. Everyone has a to-do list, whether it's literally on paper or in their minds at a day, on a daily basis, things they need to get done right away, things that give them that immediate sense of satisfaction, the incoming messages you're getting on your phone or your email. And you can't actually adequately take account of what's in the interest of your own long-term goals when you're constantly tuned into those short-term goals. So one thing that we need to do and could do in our personal lives, for example, is to carve out times of the day where we ignore some of those short-term goals, short-term responses, maybe at the beginning of your day, take a time, a period of time to work on long-term goals. Choice is such an important way of thinking about the future. So a lot of people will kind of say, you know, I can't think about climate change or I can't think about the future. I just can focus on the present. And they have good reasons for that. And part of it is that when they think about the future, they only think about situations that are out of their control. They might think about disasters like storms or sea level rise. If they think about climate change, in the current context of COVID-19, they might think, I don't know what the fall is going to look like when there's flu season and I have no control over the political situation. I have no control over whether there's going to be a vaccine. I have no control over how people are behaving in different places uh, or even in my own neighborhood. And, and so their minds can kind of spiral to that sort of the negative future. And I think the idea of choice allows you to look at the future with a clearer sense of what's possible. So I tell people to use a technique called perspective hindsight, which I write about in the Optimist Telescope, which involves imagining scenarios, not just as if the scenario goes horribly wrong. That's one, one approach. And it's necessary if you're the kind of person who's always optimistic, no matter what, it's important to have negative scenarios. But for those of us who are thinking things are really going badly, it's important to imagine what if everything went right? Imagine a scenario a year from now where everything went right. 
and ask yourself what decisions you can make, what decisions your community can make, what decisions your sort of sphere of influence can affect that can contribute to that positive outcome. So beautifully said, because regardless of what we do, next year is going to happen and arrive. And as you're calling out, we get to decide what next year might get to look like for us and everyone else. And so, you know, make those decisions. Uh, the Optimist Telescope. I just love that title. What a beautiful metaphor. But um, thank you for the book you wrote. It was so inspiring for me. And thank you for being a part of our show. Thank you so much for having me on for a conversation, Chris. Have a beautiful night. You can catch more of Ravi Patel and Bina on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Radio.com.